with you and with each other. And Lord, I just thank you that by the Spirit of God that you reveal Jesus tonight um, in a rich and special way, Lord, through the scriptures, uh, through the gifting that you place inside of me, Lord, and through the, through, the, through the folks that are in here that are watching. Let us see Jesus tonight. Lord, let our hearts be encouraged, let our hearts be strengthened, let our hearts be warmed, just like the people on the road to Emmaus, Lord, as Jesus opened the scriptures and expounded them, uh, cons- expounded to them things concerning them, himself. Lord, I, I just thank you that you do the same tonight through me, and let us be warm, and let us uh, enjoy the presence of the Lord tonight, enjoy the presence of Jesus tonight. We thank you for revelation, and Spirit of God, we thank you that you speak a word in due season to your people. Lord, I just thank you that you give me a heart of love for these people, Lord. Help me to love them. Help me to, to care about them the way you care about them, Lord. Let me let your heart shine through my heart tonight so that the words that I speak would not just be words of knowledge, Lord, but they'd be words that are filled with love. And, uh, Lord, we just, we just thank you for that. And uh, thank you. And also, Lord, just thank you and praise you for um, for just rightly dividing the word and revealing your son tonight, Lord. We thank you for it. We thank you for a wonderful time together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, wonderful. Good to see you guys. Amen. Um, so, you know, what I want to talk about tonight, you know, when I was in prayer before, uh, you know, this time of teaching together, and, uh, you know, the thing, that the, the word that just kind of rose up, in my heart uh, to talk about just the word worry. And, um, you know, I know that when we think in terms of addiction, a lot of times, you know, we think in terms of maybe substance abuse or, um, you know, sexual abuse or, um, you know, there's a lot of different things people can be addicted to. And that's usually what we think of um, in context of addiction. And, you know, we can recognize, you know, the destruction of, um, sexual addiction, we can recognize the destruction of drug addiction, alcohol addiction, and, you know, even food addiction, uh, sleep addiction, you know, all these things that we uh, think that are going to make us feel happy or make us feel whole, um, you know, there's many different things that people can be addicted to. <clears throat> I've been addicted to many things in my life, and uh, thank God, by the grace of God, I'm completely free, as I said here before you tonight. And so there are a lot of things that that we think about, we said the word addiction, but one of the things that we probably don't think about so much is worry. And uh, we don't, a lot of times, I think, recognize uh, the addictive nature of worry and even the, the destructive elements of worry. And so I just really want to kind of uh, take a little bit of time <clears throat> and dissect it, take a look at it, and then also uh, just introduce Jesus into the situation so that he can can set us free from worry. Um, worry can be really, worry is the type of thing that like outwardly, it's not considered morally wrong. You know, you're going to look at, say someone's, you know, a drug addict and, uh, you know, they're a prostitute and or they're a drug dealer or they're just doing something morally wrong. People would look at them and think, man, what a, you know, that's a destructive lifestyle. And maybe even some people would judge them. But you see someone with worry who's, who has a problem with worry, you know, people are going to look at them many times and, and think that's a destructive lifestyle or, or, or even judge them, you know, because a lot of times in our society and in our culture, worry is championed as wisdom. Worry 
um, is championed as someone who cares, you know, and someone, you know, I'm just going to worry over you and <clears throat> worry about you and all of these things. But what I, what I want you to understand is, you know, from a scriptural standpoint, you know, over and over again, the Lord tells us to not be afraid, you know, 365 times in the scriptures, fear not. And ultimately what worry is, is it's like a, a ruminating fear. You know, we have like sudden fear. We have, you know, panic, panic attacks, these type of things. Maybe that's a sharp, intense type of fear. Um, but their worry is kind of like this ruminating fear, you know, and it would almost be like, you know, if you ever taken a, um, a pot of something and placed it on your stove and, and cooked it, right? And uh, most of the time, that's a, that's a good experience, you know. Someone's cooking something good on a pot on the stove, you know, it just kind of fills the whole house uh, with, with the smell of it. And it's a positive thing. It's a good thing. But let's, let's take that same analogy and let's turn it over into the context of worry. You know, if I took a pot and I put, you know, cat pee in it, you know, God forbid, and, uh, you know, put garbage in it and stuff like that, and I cooked it on the stove and just put it on a slow boil, well, it's going to fill up the entire house with stench, right? We would never do that. That's super gross. But what I want to show you is worry is it's, it's a ruminating type of thing, and a lot of times it's something that's in the back of your mind, and what, it's, what worry does is it actually fills your thoughts with the stench of fear. Um, and, it, and it weighs down your heart, and it makes your life difficult, makes your life hard, you know. You ever had something in the back of your mind that you were worrying about, it was just nagging at you, like you were trying to be happy, and you were trying to be joyful, and you were trying to enjoy the day, but there's just something in the back of your mind. You couldn't even put your finger on exactly what it was at that moment. It was just kind of weighing you down. <clears throat> that's that pot of worry uh, that's ruminating and boiling on the back burner of your mind and um, it is poisonous and it is not healthy and it is not good for you and it's also <clears throat> not good for your family um, you know just like a, a a a pot that's sitting on a stove is going to fill the home with the stench worry has the ability to affect the entire atmosphere of all the people that you're around um, you know, it, it, it worry can just like, you know, fear or even anger, it has the ability to just affect the entire atmosphere. You ever walked in, uh, you know, to a home after people were arguing or fighting or something like that, you can walk in, you can feel the strife and contention in the atmosphere because it's, you know, it's still there. There's still kind of that emotional residue, right? Well, worry is the same way. And, um, it can really, it can, it can mess up the atmosphere of a home. It can mess up the atmosphere of a work environment, um, it can it can it can impact things in a negative way, <clears throat> and so what we want to do is we want to take that pot of worry off the back burner of our minds, and we don't want that stench of fear pervading our thoughts, weighing down our hearts, and and pulling us down into a state of unhappiness. Okay, we don't we don't want that. And so we want it. We want to get get set free from it. Now let's also let's begin to dissect it and take a look at what what worry is in its root form. Now, all of us presently are probably facing challenges. I dare say, <laughs> if we live on Earth, um, there are challenges, and Jesus told us that there would be challenges. 
And so all of us may be contending or fighting with things that are that are bigger than us, that are stronger than us, that are that are mightier than us. You know, in your situation, you know, just different things that can cause worry, health, health concerns can cause worry, health concerns in an individual, health concerns in a family, uh, financial concerns, unpaid bills, um, trying to pay the mortgage, trying to keep the business rolling, um, a relationship with a spouse um, or a child um, or, or a co-worker, or, or there's just all these different avenues um, that, that, that are challenges that can arise that we don't know how to fix and we don't know how to handle, right? Now, if we try to remain God of that God, of that situation, then it's up to us to fix it, and it's up to us to worry about it. See, it, everything that I am keeping in my control, I am prone to worry about. Everything that I let go of control of, and I give it to the Lord, and I trust Him with it, everything in, that's in that category, I'm no longer going to worry about it. Because it, even if the problem is too big, even if the problem is too strong, even if I don't know how to fix it, I'm not looking to myself or my strength or my ability or my intellect or my finances or any of my strength in order to fix it. I'm actually giving that battle to the Lord. The Bible says we are to cast our care upon Him. And so when we, when we take whatever is trying to cause us to worry, and we, and, we, and we have to let go of control of it. That's the key point. Uh, a lot of times people who, who have that pot of worry just boiling constantly in the back of their mind, many times worriers are big-time controllers uh, because they're very fearful. And so because they're very fearful and that pot of worry is always bubbling in the back of their mind, they're always trying to be in control of everything. Because if they can be in control of everything, then they feel like they can somehow keep calamity from happening, keep bad things from happening. Now, that is an extraordinarily stressful environment, and ultimately it doesn't work. Because you don't have control of everything. Nobody does. And so when you're trying to control things that you don't have the ability to control, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for stress. You're setting yourself up for disappointment because you can't control it. And you're increasing the size of the pot of worry that's boiling in the back of your mind, dragging you down out of a place of happiness. And ultimately, you're digging a ditch that is a ditch of joyless existence, filled with anxiety, filled with worry, and filled with always trying to control. You know, you're white-knuckling the steering wheel of your life. And um, you're not called to do that as a child of God. You know, uh, someone who doesn't know Jesus, somebody that's not saved and they're, they only have their own ability and their own strength, that's a tough road. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. But as a believer, as a child of God, you are a sheep. <laughs> you know, you have a shepherd, right? And, and this shepherd is always going to bring you into a place of rest. This shepherd is always going to bring you into a place of trusting him. The sheep 
they're not the ones that have the ability. They're not the ones that have the strength. What the sheep do um, is they follow the shepherd, and they allow him to bring rest and to bring comfort into their lives, right? And so what, what we want to do is we want to, to let go of control, right? And that can be a scary thing for someone who spent a lot of time trying to be in control. And listen, those of you that deal with this, I, I don't want to fault you. And I don't want you to feel bad about, about having that rolling pot of worry in the back of your mind and trying to always be in control. Because the reason that many people are like that is they've been severely hurt. A lot of times, you know, people who are warriors and people who are controllers, they're that way because they've been wounded. And, uh, you know, they may have been wounded um, from, you know, when they were a child. You know, they may have had traumatic things happen to them uh, when they were a child. They may have had traumatic things happen to them in a relationship or in a marriage or in a business venture or job. And, and what happens a lot of times is trauma forces you um, it, it can try to force you into the position of trying to stay in control so that you can keep that boiling pot of worry at least under control to some degree, right? And, and so what I want to encourage you is, is, is God wants to take that boiling pot of worry and he wants to take it out of your mind. He wants to pour it at the cross. <laughs> and he wants to relieve you of the heavy burden of trying to be your own shepherd. He wants to relieve you of the heavy burden of trying to be God of your own life. He wants to relieve you of the heavy burden of you being your Savior. You are not called to save yourself. You are not called to save your children. You are not called to save your husband. You are not called to save your wife. You are not called to save this country. You are not the Savior. Amen? And that is wonderful news because it lifts that heavy yoke that you were not designed or created to handle up off of your shoulders. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus can handle the yoke, right? Jesus can handle your husband. Jesus can handle your children. Jesus can handle your wife. Jesus can handle your health. Jesus can handle your finances. Jesus can handle this country. Jesus can handle the world, right? He is the strong ox. He is the, the one that can handle the yoke. The reason the yoke our yoke with him is easy and light is because the pressure's on him, not on us. You know, that, that analogy of the, the yoke was a common analogy in the agricultural society of the Jewish people of that day. You know, they would take an older, stronger ox, and they would yoke them to a younger ox. The yoke's just a, a wooden beam, basically, that connects the two creatures, right? And so the, the, the heavier, stronger ox, who an older and wiser would lead the younger ox and teach him teach him how to go right and the younger ox wasn't strong enough to break free from the older ox but the younger ox could learn and so the younger ox didn't have to bear the weight of the burden of, of, of pulling uh, the yoke all the younger ox had to do was be led by the older ox right and so I want to encourage you you don't have to be strong enough okay you don't have to be strong. The Bible says that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness, right? You don't have to be strong enough, okay? You're, you're Jesus. He's strong enough. He can handle it. He can handle the problem. He can handle the world, right? Your part is to trust him. And in trusting him, you give him the problem. 
and then you allow him to lead you to the solution, okay? Because a lot of times the solution, sometimes the solution is just trusting and waiting, but many times what the solution will be a result of God's leading. You always want to look for God's leading. God's primary way of leading us is Scripture, but secondarily in the place where the, 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 the dots are connected is the leading of the Spirit, the presence or absence of peace. Should I go? Should I stay? Green light, red light, all these things that you get in your spirit as a spirit-led Christian. And um, uh, all you got to do is be led. Trust and be led, right? And so uh, you, you, you're not called to take the weight and the burden of that upon yourself, okay? There's a, we must cast our care upon the Lord, for he cares for us. Because worry is destructive. It's destructive to you. It's destructive to the people around you. You know, worry is destructive in a marriage. When one spouse is just constantly worrying and worrying and worrying and worrying, it makes it 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 it, it, it can it can suck that it can suck the life out of a marriage. When when someone's worrying and worrying and worrying over their children, same thing. You know, and we've been raised to believe that somehow worrying is noble, and it's not. What worrying is, it's actually not trusting the Lord. You know, you may say, well, I don't trust my spouse, or I don't trust my kids, or I don't trust my boss, and I don't trust my friends, I don't trust my pastor, I don't trust, you know, political leaders. You know, God's not asking you to trust everyone unconditionally. God's asking you to trust Him. You trust Him with the person. You trust Him with the situation. And then in trusting Him, you, set the, you pull that pot of worry out of your heart, and you set the stage to rest, to trust and to allow him to lead you, and allow him to guide you, right? Because what we what we don't want to do, action that's motivated from frantic, fearful worrying, is not good action. In fact, it's it, it's destructive, and it doesn't actually fix the problem. It actually adds to the problem. You know, clearest example. One of the clearest examples we see of this in scriptures, Mary and Martha. It's preached about all the time, but Martha was worrisome. Okay, she had a task at hand. She's trying to feed everybody, right? I'm wrong feeding everybody. That's that's good. That's a noble thing. That's she was serving. That, that's a good thing. That in and of itself is not bad. But the way she was going about doing it, she was full of care and worry, right? She was freaking out. Okay, and and so her action wasn't bad, but the that worry that was boiling over in her heart was causing her to be frantic, causing her to be worried. Listen to me causing her to focus on the wrong things. See, a lot of times worriers are so caught up in trying to fix the problem that they don't make time for relationship with the Lord. Relationship with the Lord will bring that easy light yoke back into your, to your life, that place of relationship with the Lord, bring you back into a place of trust so that you can operate out of a place of peace and not out of a place of of worry. And so worriers, many times, they will prioritize, we're going to get this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. The Bible says there's more hope of a hasty man. Excuse me, there's more hope of a fool than a hasty man. When you get hasty and you get fear-driven, it's going to be a real challenge for you to be spirit-led. Okay, you're going to be, you don't want to be fear-driven, you want to be, you want to be spirit-led, not fear-driven. And so uh, she was serving, and there was nothing wrong with serving, but she was doing it out of a worrisome heart. And as, as the product of having a worrisome heart, she began to accuse. 
She accused Jesus of not caring. She accused her sister of not caring. And of course, Jesus reproved Martha and said, look, Mary has prioritized the more important thing, which is relationship with me. Now, it doesn't mean that you're lazy. It doesn't mean that you don't do things. But I'm here to tell you right now, one of the things I have found in my life, if I have a million things to do, and I don't have a lot of time to do it, I need to set aside some time to, to be with the Lord so that I can do it out of a place of rest and peace. Because when I'm frantic, uh, I'm not at my best by any stretch of the mean. When that pot of worries bubbling around, nothing is good, right? And so we want to we want to remove that pot of worry out of our minds. We want to keep it out. And, and, and the primary way you do that is you stop trying to be in control, and you trust the Lord with the situation, and you trust that the Lord's going to take care of it. Now, you're only going to trust the Lord if you believe the Lord loves you, okay? That's the only way you're really going to trust Him is to believe that He loves you. Okay, and he does love you. If you're watching this right now, the Lord loves you very much. He loves you more than anyone's ever loved you. He loves you more than you love yourself. And you're not going to believe that the Lord loves you if you don't believe that the cross is a success. Um, the cross was a success. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? cross is a success. I mean that, that you're completely forgiven. See, until you, you settle the issue of the success of the cross in your heart, as a believer, now if you're watching this and you're not saved, you can get saved right now. Just call out upon the name of the Lord. But those of you that are saved, it's really important for you to understand that the cross was a success and that all your sin has been taken care of, past, present, and future. Okay? Uh, the cross was not an incremental, you know, forgiveness. It wasn't a, you know, it was made in increments. It was actually the product of a new birth. He that knew no sin became sin, talking about Jesus, so that we could become the righteousness of God in him, right? Any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You've received an eternal forgiveness. You've received an eternal righteousness. It cannot be tarnished. It cannot be taken away. You are forgiven. If you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're eternally forgiven. So as you understand that and get your heart established in that, it's going to allow you to learn how to receive an unconditional love uh, because God's heart doesn't change towards you based upon your conduct. You know, God doesn't love you more on your good days and love you less on your bad days. God's love is a constant. He loves you just as much today as he did before you knew the Lord. You know, I used to be a drug addict, alcoholic, atheist when I was 19 years old. The uh, Lord loved me then just as much as he loves me now, but now I'm in a different place because I've received the forgiveness that was given to me, and I've been enjoying a relationship with the Lord. And so, so now I am beginning to believe in the love that he always had for me. And so you're not really going to bring yourself into a place of rest and into a place of trust and into and you're not going to be able to pour that pot of worry that's boiling on the back burner of your mind. You're not going to be able to pour that out until you believe that you're forgiven and you believe that you're loved. Because as long as those two things are in question, you're still going to be worried. Because when challenges come, because challenges are always going to come, you need to know that God is with you. You need to know that God is for you. And, and unfortunately, so much of the teaching of the body of Christ puts people in question, is God really for me, or is God against me? Am I forgiven? Am I not forgiven? Does God love me? Does God hate me? All of these things. But uh, all, of those, all of those things can be removed when we take a look at Jesus and his finished work on the cross. And so it's very important to, in order to have a lifestyle where worry is not dominating your life and control is not dominating your life, it's important to understand that you're forgiven, and you're forgiven from an eternal position. You know, you're forgiven from a timeless position. And I, I just want to hit this for a moment, because you're not really going to progress until you understand.
Candace. Um, Hebrews chapter 8 and, and 10 through 12, uh, verses 10 through 12, relays the, the new covenant. The new covenant is not based on the remembrance of sin. The new covenant is actually based on the forgiveness of sin. Jesus did a good job on the cross. The Bible says that John the Baptist, behold, Jesus said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses and their sins unto them. The sin of all mankind has been paid for through the cross. And there is, any, there is a mandate of forgiveness. That's what the mandate of the gospel is. We are ministers of reconciliation. We have good news to the whole world. God's not mad. God loves you. God wants to save you. Now, I'm not saying that God approves of everyone's behavior. Uh, God hates sin. Uh, sin is destructive and it's evil. Uh, and, and, and faith is required to be saved. The outstretched hand of salvation in the face of Jesus Christ has been presented to all mankind. It's God's will that all men be saved. But you have to take that outstretched hand of salvation and receive that forgiveness in order to enjoy it, even though it's been paid in full for all, right? And so um, you, you've been eternally forgiven, right? And, and in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, this is the, uh, the standard of the new covenant, the clause of the new covenant. He says, your sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. And so under the old covenant, you know, the blood of bulls and goats blotted out sin. Under the new covenant, the, the blood of Jesus actually eternally washes away sin. Now you're a new creation in Christ. You've received the righteousness of God as a gift. And so now, man, I mean, what, what it means is, is God is inexplicably for you all the days of your life, and he's never going to pull that salvation away from you. Jesus said, my Father is greater than all, no one can pluck you out of my Father's hands. You need to know that your salvation is secure. You need to know that it's a finished work, and you need to know that it did not require one ounce of human effort in order for it to come into your life. The only thing you had to do was simply believe, by faith through grace, right? And so that's an important element in order for you to remove worry out of your mind because if you don't think God loves you and you think God's punishing you for sin and you think God's against you, then you, you are going to live worried. I mean, because you're not going to be able to take that easy, light yoke of Jesus upon your shoulders. You will have that heavy yoke of legalism upon your life. And legalism just compounds worry and fear because the primary driving force behind legalism is worry and fear. Uh, we fearfully, you know, we, we, we scare people into giving. We scare people into getting saved. We scare people into coming to church. We scare people into evangelism. We worry and fret the saints of God. And, uh, and it's really not new covenant, and it's not the leading of the Spirit. It's actually counterproductive to the kingdom, uh, but it is quite common. It's, it's, I would say the majority of the teaching in the body of Christ mixes the two covenants and uh, leads people into a lifestyle of fear and worry. Um, so, but God doesn't have that for you. God has better things than that for you. Jesus was successful on the cross, and if you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, then you're forgiven, and it's good news, right? And so now that, that, that you start to get established in that reality, we can now start to reach back to that boiling pot of worry. We can start tilting it and dumping it out of your mind, right? Because if, if you're forgiven and you're right with God and God is for you and God's going to be with you at all times, then who do you have to fear, right? What do you have to be worried about if God is with you and God is for you? You know, the question is never, is God powerful enough? The question is, is God going to be powerful enough for me? The answer is yes, because all the promises in him are yes and amen. It's not an issue of your perfect conduct or your good deeds or bad deeds. 
Um, it's actually an issue of Jesus Christ and Him being your Savior, right? Don't put the attention and focus on you. Good, good deeds or bad deeds. Don't do that. It's not wise. Put the attention and in in your focus on Jesus. Jesus is the one that has qualified you to receive all the promises of God. Jesus is the one that has brought you into the family and introduced you to the faithfulness of the Father that will not be taken away from you. Now, the more that becomes a reality in your heart and in your life, the more worry starts to just get poured out and starts to evaporate and leave your life. Because here's the thing. just I want you to just think here for a moment. Can you imagine a life where worry is no longer in your mind? Can you imagine what it would be like to no longer worry about your husband? To no longer worry about your spouse, about your wife? To no longer worry about your kids? To no longer worry about your grandkids? To no longer worry about America? To no longer worry about finances? To no longer worry about the health of your body? What if? God had a life for you where worry was removed and you were living in a state of rest and trust. Now, I'm not saying that in order for that to be accomplished that you're going to have a life without challenges. I'm not saying that in order for that to be accomplished that you're going to have a life without failures and falls and mistakes and all of these things because there's nowhere in scripture where God promises you a flawless life of no challenges. That's just not it's not scriptural. But there is a place where we can trust the Lord that He's going to help us, right? That He's gonna He's gonna see us through and we give it to Him. Now I have things in my life where I can impact, right? You know, directly. Like I can set up this equipment that I'm that I set up tonight. But even in those things, I acknowledge the Lord because I need His help in doing it. But there are some things that you just don't have power over. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, like um, you know, for my children, for example. You know, this is an area uh, where you do have an element of control over, right? You know, you're parenting your children. I have a 15 year old and a three year old, and I'm parenting them, right? But, but I don't have the ability to reach into my son's heart and make him want to do something, right? Either of them. I don't have the ability to do that. I can model a godly life. I can teach them, you know. I can, there are things I can do, but I don't have the ability to reach that into their heart. But you know who does have the ability to do that? The Lord. And how does that happen? Prayer. Giving it to the Lord in prayer. You know, that is something I can't control. And so i got to give it to the Lord in prayer. You may have somebody that in your life that you're worrying over. There's nothing spiritual or profitable about worrying over someone. Okay, that's not good. And we, we, it's been built into our vernacular. It's been built, built into our culture. Well, I'm just worrying over you. I'm just worrying over you. Stop. I mean, that's just like pouring poison into your mind. You know, and, and it's actually, it's, it's like doing the same thing for the individual. Stop worrying about people, okay? Give them to the Lord. Pray for them, right? Trust that God is going to do his part. Because if you spend your days trying to control something that you have no control over, you will be frantic and, and freaked out. I'll say it, it, the same thing, you know, in the current political climate that's in our country, you know? 
you, you have certain rights that you can do. You know, you have certain things that you can do. But, you know, a big portion of, of what people spend their time reading the news for is they feel like if they can bring in enough information, then they'll somehow be in control. But here's the thing. You, you, you know, you, you can't, you would be better off spending your time praying than um, consuming fear-based, biased material, trying to somehow control the affairs in the state of the world. Okay, I'm not. I'm. I'm you definitely take your stand. Do the things that you need to do, but understand <clears throat> there are some things that you don't have control over, and your anger doesn't change it. Your offense doesn't change it. Your worry doesn't change it. Your fear doesn't change it. <clears throat> you have to let that go. And give that to God in a place of prayer, right? You know, I think someone had quoted Philippians chapter 4. You know, think of whatever is just and pure and lovely and of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise. Give these things to the Lord in prayer with thanksgiving. Make our supplications known unto God. And so, you know, I'm not saying that <clears throat> this worry-free lifestyle is a place where you can take that pot and you can just pull it off the burner eternally. And just It'll never come back. No, <clears throat> I'm saying that in life, this world is always trying to fill that pot back up with worry. <clears throat> Situations, circumstances, it's always trying to fill it up. But you got to take that thing to the Lord in prayer and pour it out at the feet of Jesus. And say, you know what? I'm not qualified to be God of my life. I'm not qualified to be in control of this. So I'm going to pour it out to you. Right? I'm going to let you handle this. <clears throat> now I'm going to take your easy light yoke, and I'm going to trust you because I know that you love me and I know that I'm forgiven and I know that you love the pe the other people that are involved. And so it's a continual keeping that worry pot, keeping that pot free of worry, right? We want to keep that thing dry, amen? In fact, we want to take another pot and put it on the back of our stove. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? <clears throat> well, you guys ever put uh, aromatic, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but, you know, the aroma, aromatics on a stove. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, I know there were times when we took a bunch of cinnamon and we took, like, um, citrus and we put, uh, you know, like, all these different things in a pot and just boiled it up. And it, and it was it was like a potpourri, you know, and it just filled the house with this, this beautiful aroma. And it just smells so good, right? Well, just like you can fill a home with something that smells good as a result of a pot sitting on the stove, you can actually fill your mind with a be the beautiful aroma of Jesus. What are you talking about? It's about Thanksgiving. I'm talking about thanking God for all the things that he's done for you. Thanking God for your salvation. Thanking God for his promises. Thanking God for his faithfulness. Thanking God for sending Jesus on the cross. Thanking the Lord. And as you begin to fill up that pot with thanksgiving, and you put that thing on a slow boil in the back of your mind, that thanksgiving aroma will start to seep into uh, your thought processes, will start to, to seep into uh, the, even the people around you, it will affect the atmosphere of your home. You know, you can have a home that's filled with worry, or you can have a home that's filled with thanksgiving. A home that's filled with thanksgiving smells better than a home that's filled with worry. 
And it begin now. You don't have the ability to control whether the people around you are worrying or thankful. Once again, that's not something you have control of. But you do have the ability to control your own heart. You do have the ability to guard your own heart. And you do have the ability to put that thanksgiving forth um, out of your mouth. So that that is what's boiling in, in, on the back burner of your mind so that your mind is filled with thanksgiving. Amen? And so um, I just want to, and, and I just, as we were, as I was teaching here, I just had this psalm kind of come up you know, in my mind and or in my heart or whatever. And I just want to read it to you because what we're looking to do, man, is we're just looking to, to stop trying to be in control. And we're looking to, to learn how to give it to God and enter into a place of rest, right? You ever driven a car worried before? You ever got in a car with somebody that was worried? I'll never forget one time. I, uh, these are back in my, my party days, you know, back before I knew Jesus and I was on, you know, drinking and on drugs and all kinds of crazy stuff. And, uh, and I can remember I jumped in the car with this guy, you know, we were, we were high and all this type of stuff, but he had just had a wreck, you know, great wisdom, right? But this guy had just had a wreck not too long ago. Well, he was driving and he was so full of worry and fear and anxiety while he was driving that it was like crash was imminent a wreck was imminent destruction was imminent because his mind was so amplified with fear that he was just totally freaked out and even in my drunken drugged out state you know with no wisdom and absolute foolishness i thought to myself i've got to get out of this car or we are going to die because this guy had such a developed expectation of calamity or of evil or of having a wreck that it was just it was just flowing into existence, right? And um, and and I don't know if you've ever done anything worried before, but when you're doing something worried, you're not as effective, you know. Uh, even you know, kid, I coach a lot of basketball, and <clears throat> kids when they get into the game and they're full of anxiousness and worry. They're not going to shoot as good. <clears throat> They're not going to dribble as good. Why? They kind of have an expectation of failure, right? And so uh, when you're operating out of a place of rest, all of your actions, all of your functions are going to be better because there, there's just going to be a flow there, right? And so uh, that's what God has you. That's what the spirit-led life is. That's what being yoked to Jesus is. It's living in a place of rest and living in a place of trust, right? <clears throat> and so... Psalm 23, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. And so, you know, here in this psalm, we're recognizing, you know, folks, you don't have to live this life on your own, you know. You don't have to, you know, muscle your way through life and make things happen. There is a place of rest and trust. Now, God's not going to lead you to be lazy. You're not going to live in a life of completed inactivity. I'm not saying don't do something. I'm just saying that when you do it, don't do it with worry bowling over in the back of your mind. Take care of the worry, take care of the fear, and then move forward with the action. It's going to be a lot easier for you to hear God and be spirit-led uh, when, when that worry is not trying to dominate your life. And you may be watching this right now, well, Jeremiah, I'm dominated by worry. Well, you get a labor to enter into that rest. You're going to have to take authority over some of the thoughts that come into your mind. You have to bring into your heart the reality of the finished work of the cross and the fact that you're forgiven and the fact that God loves you. And then begin to, uh, out of that place, understand what the different promises of God are towards you and that those promises are not based on your 
perfect conduct where those promises are yes and amen in Jesus as your Savior. Learn how to come boldly to the throne of grace and do what you're doing tonight. Be a part of a Bible study where you're hearing the Word of God and your mind is being removed. So there may be a time to labor to enter into that rest. It may take some time to take that boiling pot of worry and pour that thing out of your head. Uh, but it's worth it. It's worth it, you know. Uh, renewing our minds, folks, is the way to lasting victory. You know, we're not called. Now, thank God for the miraculous. Thank God for miracles. Thank God for people praying for you and laying hands on you. All those things are wonderful. Uh, but, but lasting victory is the renewed mind. Finding out who you are in Christ and finding out who God is and how much he loves you. That's the lasting victory. That's the place of true uh, transformation. Because ultimately, the Bible says that wisdom is the principal thing. And this is wisdom. So, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, this is the Lord making you rest. He leads me beside the, the still waters. This is the Lord bringing refreshment into your life. He's like, I am shepherd. You know, the sheep don't have to know where to go. The sheep don't have to know where to go. They just have to know the voice of the shepherd. The shepherd's the one that's going to lead them into provision the shepherd is going to be the one that leads them into rest, and the shepherd is going to be the one that protects them. The sheep don't have to know the way. They just have to know the voice of the shepherd. Primary way you get acquainted with the voice, Scripture. Second way you get um, acquainted with the voice is through, through prayer, through time in God's presence so that you can be led by the Spirit of God. But I want to show you the entire time in this passage, he's letting them know, I'm your shepherd, I'm your savior, I will lead you, I will protect you. That brings rest into your heart. That pours worry out of your pot. And that brings you into a place of just being a child of God and, and not allowing worry uh, to stay addicted. Amen? And so anyway, and so it says, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So what he's saying is you may go through challenging times. We're going to go through challenging times, but we don't have to be afraid because we can trust the Lord that we're going to get through it. We're going to go to the other side. We're going to continue uh, to walk through the valley. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod, of course, being protection from the enemy. The staff, of course, being correction. You know, one of the things that the Lord, you know, when the Lord corrected Martha, he corrected her in the place of, of worry. You know, outwardly it looked like Martha was amazing. But really, Martha's heart was filled with distrust towards God. And as a result of that distrust, she accused Jesus and she accused her sister. Okay? Uh, worry will bring you into a place of being offended at people who are at rest. Okay, once again, not encouraging inactivity, not encouraging laziness, is addressing the issue of the heart. There's nothing noble about worrying. There's nothing productive or healthy about worrying. In fact, Scripture over and over and over and over again tells us not to do it. Amen? It says, You prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so, you know, this entire passage is referencing the fact that the Lord is our leader, right? The Lord is the one that's going to take care of us. The Lord is the one 
He's going to hold our hand. The Lord is the one that's going to cause us to overcome. Now, I want to also I want to turn over to Philippians, and some of you guys have have quoted Philippians uh, while we were uh, while we were in this uh, in this Bible study, and and I just want to bring it out because it it really um, it, it addresses this place of worry. You know, there's so much worry that's going on in the world today, and we just don't want to participate in it. We want to pour that pot out. We don't want it bubbling in the back of our minds. We want to take authority over it. We don't want to tolerate it. Some people have spent so much time living in worry that they don't know any other way to live. They've been taught to worry by their parents. Um, they've lived in a state of worry. And I'm telling you what right now, it will make you haggard. It will affect your health. It will affect your relationships. It will affect your finances. It will affect every aspect of your life because you are not designed to run on worry. Worry is like low-grade fear, right? It's not that sudden, uh, you know, startled, you know, fear. It's this low-grade, gnawing, wearing-away fear. And, man, it's just you're not called to it, and God has a better path for you than that. So if you're watching this right now, now we're in the future, and, and that's something that you've lived under. You know, I mean, I, 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 my mom, man, my mom was a hardcore worrier. And uh, big time, man. I mean, just a very, you know, very nervous person, and dealt with a whole lot of worries. You know, she had it. She had it difficult. She had to raise me on her own. She was a single mom, and uh, you know, I don't fault her in any way, shape, form, or fashion. She did the very best that she could uh, with what she had. But she did, and she did definitely. She didn't. She didn't know what I know, you know. And and she she that's how she operated. But thank God, by the grace of God, and by uh, the wisdom of Jesus, you know, I've been set free from this. Now, it doesn't mean that worry doesn't come. You know, I'm not up here saying, well, I never worry at all. No, no, no. Worry tries to come. It tries to fill up that pot in the back of my mind and boil over into my thoughts. But when it comes, I recognize that it's alien and it doesn't have a right and it doesn't have a proper place in my mind or in my thoughts. So I got to take authority over that thing. I got to pour, I got to take whatever I'm worrying about and I got to pour that thing unto the Lord. That's God's thing. I need God's help. See, the more you trust the Lord, the less worry is going to be predominant in your life. The more you trust the Lord, the less you're going to feel the need to control all the people around you or everything around you, right? Control and worry go hand in hand. And uh, it, it's not good for you, and it's also not good for those around you. And this is an addiction that people need to be set free from, is the addiction of worry. You know, some people aren't, don't, they don't feel comfortable unless they're worried. And it's just not, it, once again, it's not, it's not the right frame of mind, and it's not your call. God has better things for you than that. But, um, and it says here in uh, Philippians chapter 4, if you guys have your Bibles, and in verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. And that word, it's the word miramna, and it's the word for worry. It means anxiousness and worry. But it says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so, just like I was given the analogy of, you know, pouring that pot out. When worry comes, it's time to take it to the Lord, you know, in a place of prayer. And that doesn't mean you've got to be on your knees in the closet, you know. You can be in your car driving, you know, and snow coming down or ice coming down. And here comes worry. I say, Lord, I just thank you. Lord, with thanksgiving, Lord, I, I thank you. You're my protector. 
you're my shepherd, you're my keeper, take the promises out, take those promises out and put them on the foundation of the fact that you're loved and the fact that you're forgiven and the fact that all the promises in Him are yes and amen. <clears throat> you add the promises to those foundations so that that promise is your promise. See, that it's by the, the reason that the inheritance is a sure thing is it's by grace. It's not earned. It's unmerited. It's undeserved. That's a key element of appropriating the promises of God. And so there you go in the car. You pour that thing unto the Lord. You thank God. You may be on an airplane. You, think, you put that thing before the Lord. Lord, I just... When that, when that pot of worry starts trying to get filled up, man, take that thing to the cross. Take that thing to the Savior. Give it to the Lord. Don't take it on yourself. Amen? Allow Him to be God. Amen? Very, very important. Don't white-knuckle the steering wheel of your life and, and live in a state of anxiety, right? And it tells us how to do it. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Everything. That means everything. Every aspect of your life. You can present it to the Lord, and you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to live in fear. And everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. So God wants to, He wants to set up a, a guard, man. He wants to, to to allow, you know, that word garrison is a very strong and, and military term. You know, He wants that peace to garrison soldiers of of peace, you know, around your heart, protecting you and, and keeping you and and uh, preventing you, you know, from living in, in a lifestyle of worry. So um, I just want to encourage you that. Break that pattern out of your life, man. It may have been a baton that was handed to you by your parents or your grandparents or whatever, but uh, you're not called to live under uh, the burden of living in a state of worry. That's not you. That's not your calling. Understand, you can break that out of your life. You don't have to live in the anxiousness, learn how to enter into the rest, learn labor to enter into that rest, allow God to have it, don't worry about things you can't change, you know, don't do that, like, just don't, like, there's just, don't do it, live in peace, you know, um, I invite you into this, you know, I mean, this is not the type of thing where I can just pray for you and bam, you got it, um, it's the type of thing you really have to allow the Lord to teach you how to do. You know, especially if you, you know, if you've lived your entire life and worry has been one of the primary motors and motivating factors of your life, you're going to have to change that motor out, change that motor of worry and replace it with a place of rest in a, in a place of, of peace, uh, because God has peaceful paths for you. You know, he's your shepherd. He's going to make you lie down in the green pastures. He's going to lead you beside the the still waters. He's going to take care of you. He's going to love you. He's going to protect you. He's going to provide for you. You know, all these things, but he doesn't need you um, to, to worry, you know, and, and to, uh, and, and, and I'll say this to you, um, you know, have you ever had someone who did not trust you, right? And um, they just didn't trust you, right? You know, to not be trusted is not a fun thing. Right? Not many of us, you know, the, the product of people's lack of trust was our own mistakes. But I just want to call into your mind just the way it feels to not be trusted. It's not good. Why? It's, a, it's kind of an attack on your character, saying, you know, you're not good enough and I can't trust you, right? Well, what I want to show you is, is and I'm not trying to be condemning when I say this, so please don't take it that way, but what worry is actually saying is saying, God, I, just, I don't trust you, you know? trust you with this, you know, 
And so I just want to encourage you, you would never outwardly, probably unless you're upset or angry, and we've all been there, but, you know, just think I'm not going to trust the Lord. I mean, he's untrustworthy, you know. So I just encourage you, don't have that attitude of distrust and don't have that attitude of anxiety and anxiousness and worry. Now, and then you may be saying, well, Jeremiah, I've went through hell. You know, I've had things happen to me. I have too. You know, uh, life is tough, man. And, you know, we've all had those moments where we jumped and nobody caught us. We've all had those moments where we leaped and we fell. We've all had those moments where we, we didn't, when things didn't go the way we thought they should go. When, when it didn't seem as though prayers got answered. It didn't seem as though God was there. Every one of us here have had those moments, right? And, I, and, I, and you know, I don't have answers for you concerning all of those things. And one of the things that I've resigned to myself is, is there are some things that I just don't understand. You know, and I always bring out this analogy because I think it helps us understand. I have a, a three-year-old. He's actually, he's uh, becoming potty trained, so he's actually doing pretty good now. But, uh, so it's not as, as current an example. But we'll, we'll cycle back to when he's two. You know, when he's two years old and he's running around here, he's got a diaper on. And i got to change his diaper. You know, to him, me stopping him from playing to change his diaper is like the most, is the worst thing in the world. You know, why don't, you know, he, he thinks I'm, you know, shutting down his fun and, you know, Dad, I just want to play with this. I don't want this. But I know as his parent, if I don't change his diaper, uh, then it's going to cause a lot of discomfort for him. It's not going to be good for him to go around in a dirty diaper for extended periods of time. Now, I know that as his parent, I can't convey that to him uh, as a two-year-old. I really can't. But what I have to do is I just do it, and he doesn't understand why. And I just need him to trust me that it's the right thing, and it's the thing that's best for him. Because as an adult, I can't convey to a two-year-old why. Now, there are many things like that in his life. So if there are things that the two-year-old can't understand, and he just needs to trust me that it's for the best, or this, this is the way things are, do you think that there might be some things that we can't understand? that God understands, that God can't convey to us in this life. Because I, I think that we probably all have questions, right? And, and, and I, I just want to tell you that God, he's good. And, and when you get to the other side, you're going to find out that he was good the whole time and that he loved you the whole time. And the deliverance that he brought into your life was tremendous. Even though the pain that you went through, the challenges that you went through, and the hell that you went through were deep. His love was deeper, and there are reasons behind it. And I do believe that every question will be answered on the other side. The Bible says that we will know even as we are known. But now, sometimes, there are things that we don't understand. But don't allow those failures to cloud your mind and cloud your heart concerning the Lord's goodness. Okay? Don't allow that to happen. Don't allow um, this world to steal from you a childlike faith. Don't allow the challenges of this world to cause your love to run cold. Don't allow this world to rob you of resting and trusting in your Savior. And for sure, don't allow it to inject worry into your mind to where it dominates your thoughts. God has a better path for you. So I just want to encourage you in that. And then also, I want to pray for you. Um, Father, I just thank you, everybody watching this now and in the future, Lord, that you would teach all of us how to take that boiling pot of worry in the back of our mind, pull it off the burner, and pour it out unto you. I thank you, Lord. There's no problem too big. 
There's no mountain too great. There's no giant too large. There's no challenge greater than the hands of our Father. And Lord, if people are struggling with fear and doubt and worry, and even shame and condemnation tonight, Lord, I thank you that by your Spirit, you gift and grace us to lay it down at your feet. Lord, I thank you that by your grace that you empower us to skillfully learn how to live a worry-free life. And that addiction to worry would be cut out of people's lives, Lord. Let, you know, for some, Lord, let this be a, an embarking on a journey of freedom. Some people may hear this message and do something inside of them to give them a glimpse of a lifestyle that's not dominated by worry. I thank you, Lord, that by your Spirit you take them by the hand and lead them into the paths of peace that are laid out in the Holy Scriptures so that truth would set them free and they break that cycle of fear and worry that's been in their home for generations that they would emerge free from it, Lord God, trailblazing a new path for their children and their grandchildren and their children's children. I thank you that you break the power of worry off of people's lives tonight by your spirit and by the truth of your words, Lord. And Lord, I thank you above everything else. Let them understand how much you love them and how much the cross was a success and that they are a forgiven people. And Lord, if there be someone watching this on some channel or avenue that's not received Jesus as Lord and Savior, I thank you that right now they would call out upon you, right sitting in their chair, in their home, in their car, wherever, looking through their purse, whatever they got going on, Lord, I thank you that they just stop and acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God that died for their sins and raised from the dead, and that they too would be saved and enjoy this eternal life that we enjoy as believers. Lord, I just thank you for that. I bless these people. In Jesus' name, amen.